I'm Joy Deep Hoare and welcome to the second PCASTS, the podcast prepared and produced by People and Culture Strategies. In this podcast, I'll be talking to each of the presenters of People and Culture Strategies Legal Concepts for Emerging HR Professionals program, which is a program that our firm runs here out of our Sydney office twice a year. Uh, The program is designed for those who are either entry-level HR professionals or up-and-coming line managers who are going to be given increased people management responsibility, or even just a great refresher for those who've been practicing HR for a while. It covers a broad range of topics, and I thought it would be useful for our clients and friends of our firm to hear a little bit from each of the presenters as to what they cover in their particular sessions and what some of the key messages are. So I do hope you enjoy this particular PCAST. Continuing on with our Legal Concepts for HR Professionals program summaries, I'm now talking to my fellow director, Chris Oliver. Chris, welcome. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Judith. Um, tell us a bit about what you covered in uh, the segment you ran today. Yeah, thanks. So um, this morning's segment, I, I covered the first segment, which is really a foundational um, uh, uh, introduction to the course. Um, uh, we cover a number of topics um, and did cover, cover a number of topics this morning. Um, a lot of the foundational um, topics around uh, laws, around contract, the laws that actually interact at the workplace. We did a little bit on enterprise bargaining. We did a little bit on the National Employment Standards Industrial Action. But it's a lot of those foundational con- concepts that then go on to be built throughout the remainder of the course. Okay. And in terms of the, uh, the learnings for the participants today, what were some of the areas that uh, uh, generated a lot of the questions and discussion in the, uh, in the session? Yeah, well, look, I think there's a number of, um, a number of topics that always generate um, interest, and I'll come to those in a moment. I think there's a number of also foundational learnings from the course. Um, I think one of those foundational learnings, or certainly one of the learnings that I hope uh, participants get out of it, is, is that as somebody new to the area or somebody that is otherwise approaching an issue for the very first time, as many of these people are, um, there's some comfort to be taken by the fact that if you look at any window in any metropolitan or rural area, you're going to see organisations. And those organisations are dealing with the same core issues that you're currently dealing with. I think the other key learning out of that um, and some comfort is, is that, um, as is so often the way, there isn't a single right or wrong way in order to approach it. A lot of these things are about finding bespoke ways to deal with issues. And so having that confidence and learning that and not sort of tying yourself up with this feeling that you need to be on a set of railway tracks when dealing with an issue, I think is something very, very important for people that are starting out. In terms of the areas that um, I guess attract the most attention, always issues around uh, personal leave, um, always issues around parental leave. Um, One of the wonderful things about this course is that because we have people with such depth of experience and depth of knowledge, um, you've always got that ability to sort of take these tangents and go off down the path that your participants really want you to go down. And of course, one of the things that people are always wanting to talk about is how we manage those uh, tricky situations where somebody's off on personal leave and we're getting very limited information back from them um, and otherwise we're needing to otherwise manage that absence and find a way of delivering. 
I think one of the other main things that we talk about is really the reality is, is that every organisation out there from every background, doesn't matter on the industry that you're dealing with, whether you've got five people in your organisation or 5,000 people in your organisation, in almost everything you do, whether you're trying to drive cultural change, whether you're dealing with basic compliance issues, uh, whether about you're bringing about structural change within an organisation, whether you're trying to drive innovation, productivity gains, or just dealing with issues that arise at a personal level for the employee. In all of those circumstances, we're dealing within a legislative framework, and our legislative framework in Australia really touches on all of those individual aspects. Um, but at the same point in time, understanding not only um, the existence and what that framework requires, but also having a bit of a deeper understanding of why that framework says what it says, and also a little bit about the historical journey that Australia has undertaken and why the law sits where it is now. I think that's one of the critical um, areas for people to understand because it allows you to approach the solution of a problem not just from a black and white, what does the act say, but it also gives you that additional skill of being understand, to be able to understand and preempt perhaps what might be driving the individual, why it is that an individual may be asking for something that they are in fact under the current legislative regime no longer entitled to it. But I think those um, concepts are really important. And again, one of the key learnings that come out of today's session. Excellent. And in closing, if you were summarising uh, albeit that it's a foundational uh, type session, but some of the key takeaways for participants from what you covered today, what would they be? Oh, look, I think it is having confidence in your own um, ability. I think um, understanding where the limitations of your own uh, knowledge take you uh, and then reaching out to um, those uh, with expertise. I think it's also very much about understanding and making sure that you do understand the outer limits of the field on which you're playing any game, um, if I can use that analogy, and to uh, before really tackling it, making sure you have a good grasp of those concepts um, before you then go on to, um, to, to adapt it um, for the particular circumstances. Chris, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for your time, Trevor. This is the second in our series of PCASTs, and today I'm talking to Therese McDermott, who is an Associate Professor at Macquarie University and also a consultant to us here at People and Culture Strategies. Welcome, Therese. Thanks, Jodie. And uh, in the next few podcasts, we're going to be focusing on a program that our firm is running called Legal Concepts for Emerging HR Professionals. And we're going to talk to each of the facilitators of that particular program at the conclusion of their particular session to understand a little bit more about what they covered and what some of the key messages were from their particular session. So Therese, tell us a little bit about the session that you've just run. The session that I have run covers a variety of topics. It breaks down into a few components, the first being the, the legal framework for equal opportunity, discrimination, harassment and bullying. But building on that, it also tries to give people a good understanding of how to respond strategically and proactively to those issues. We also touch on some related issues, such as the, the basics on work health and safety, and workplace surveillance. So people have a good 
overall framework for understanding a lot of the basic interactions that happen on a people-to-people basis at work. And uh, there's obviously a lot of uh, big topics in, in that, particularly bullying and, and harassment. Um, this program is, is very much targeted to people more at the front end of their HR careers. What are some of the, the, the watch-outs or messages for people who might not be as experienced in the uh, HR profession in dealing with some of these matters? Some of the things I consistently find people need to look out for are the more subtle ways issues arise. So most people have a good understanding that they wouldn't engage in discrimination or allow someone in their workplace to engage in discrimination that might directly treat someone less favourably because of an attribute such as their sex or their gender or their sexuality. So most people clearly got that message. But what they find more complex is the way in which workplaces might operate in a way that we might, in a legal sense, see as indirectly discriminatory. So that they make it harder for certain groups of people to progress and reach their full potential. For example, you've always had a manager's job and it's always been full time. Trying to look at that and actually gauge whether that's appropriate, whether you're excluding people who might have family responsibilities and the like. So I find people are good at the basic ideas um, around that, but they need a bit of help getting that broader, more nuanced picture. And do you think much has changed for HR professionals in light of the the Me Too movement and the, the dominance of that in the agenda over the last 12 months or so, dealing with sexual harassment? Yes, we do, as a result, spend quite a bit of time on that. And the law's quite straightforward in this area, like three basic components. So it's not the law that presents the problem, it's recognising the conduct and responding to that particularly in workplaces where there might be an embedded culture of some kind, be that because there's less women or less people from different backgrounds in that workplace where people say, oh, we've always done it this way. So um, challenging that dominant paradigm, but also getting the buy-in of senior leaders as well. And uh, if there was a, a set of short messages that you would be relaying to uh, attendees in terms of things they should be taking back to their workplace in summary on these particular subjects, what would that be? Um, my main message from today for most people, for most people, was to be aware and alert to what is going on and not to be passively engaged in these issues, but to give meaning to the policies and procedures they have in their workplace, which many employers do have, but the need to actually walk the talk in the workplace. Thanks very much, Therese. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again in a future PCAST. Thank you. I'm speaking to Nicole Sini, who is one of our senior associates who ran the third session in our Legal Concepts for Emerging HR Professionals program earlier today. Nicole, welcome. 
Uh, tell us a little bit about what you covered in your session today. Uh, today we spoke about employee documentation and management, which is quite a broad area, um, including recruitment and screening, whether someone is an independent contractor or an employee, the employment contracts generally, policies and procedures in employment, as well as uh, performance management, confidentiality and restraint of trade. So that's actually quite a broad range of topics. Were there uh, any topics out of those that you covered that attracted a lot more interest than others? Yeah, uh, one of the areas that was uh, of more interest was uh, managing performance, particularly when you have employees that have uh, illness or other areas such as discrimination that could impact the ability to manage their performance effectively. And what about the independent contractors piece? Because there's a lot of organisations who are still struggling with that, with some tensions in terms of how they engage people and a bit of pushing the boundaries. What were some of the main messages there? One of the more interesting uh, things that came up in that part of the conversation was how to deal with employees that are going through retirement and come back as consultants or independent contractors as uh, part of that process. So often when you have an employee that is retiring and as an offer of goodwill, you allow them to come back as a consultant or an independent contractor, uh, it's very easy for them to fall into the same patterns uh, of employment that they had when they were employed by the organisation, which can create a bit of a conflict as to whether it's a genuine independent contracting arrangement. And uh, you talked about the policies and procedures issue. How are organisations going around their policy implementation and education uh, piece? One of the key takeaways from that segment was how to ensure that at any given time your employees are aware of their obligations under any policies and procedures within the organisation. So how often you should be reviewing those policies and uh, how you can make sure that your employees are aware of any changes, uh, particularly in relation to what uh, their responsibilities are. And you also mentioned the confidentiality and restraints of trade piece. Uh, did you get into the detail around enforceability of, of restraints and things like that? One of the things that we spoke about in particular in terms of restraint of trade is making sure that you have uh, covered off reasonable business interests in the way that you draft this restraint. So just making sure that even where you have quite a standard restraint of trade clause in your contract, you actually review it for each employee or each class of employees to make sure that it's really fit for purpose and it protects the legitimate business interests uh, for your business in relation to uh, the, the role of that employee specifically. And uh, maybe just closing off on the subject that's at the very front end of the employment relationship, which uh, you mentioned earlier was the recruitment and screening piece. What are some of the key takeaways for uh, participants on that particular topic? Well, recruitment and screening can actually be one of the more uh, complicated and uh, time intensive areas for any human resource manager. So not only are they managing the expectations of applicants, but also managing the, any recruitment uh, and agencies that they're using as well as their line managers. So just making sure that everyone has a clear understanding of the expectations of the role. And uh, we spoke a little bit about the competition and consumer legislation in terms of uh, inducing any employee to uh, take on a role and 
what uh, understanding and promises are made during that piece. So in particular, making sure that recruitment agencies, when they make a general advertisement for your company, that it's accurate and it reflects the position that you're actually hiring for and doesn't use hyperbole. So in summary, Nicole, uh, what what would have been the main uh, takeaways from your perspective that you'd want the uh, participants to have focused on? I think one of the key takeaways from this particular topic, albeit it's quite a broad one, the one commonality is that in all of these different areas, whether it's uh, recruitment, independent contracting, contracts, policies and restraint of trade, is just to go back to basic principles and look at everything on a case-by-case basis to ensure what you're doing is always fit for purpose. Thanks, Nicole. I'm talking to my fellow director, Erin Lynch, who ran the fourth and final session of our Legal Concepts for HR Professionals program. Welcome, Erin. Thanks, Judy. So tell us a bit about what you covered in your session. So I ran session four of Legal Concepts and we run it in terms of the employment life cycle. So I was looking at the end of that life cycle um, and the termination process. Um, And we looked at the variety of termination options such as redundancy, unfair dismissals, um, performance-based terminations and misconduct-based terminations. Um, And then finally, we looked at senior executives, which are a little bit of um, their own kettle of fish. And um, what were the uh, topics that the participants were, were most interested in in the, in the program? Um, so redundancy, I had a lot of questions around that. Um, a lot of them were going through some organisational change and how best to communicate that. Um, and another um, discussion topic was what we call agreed separations. So um, where we're looking at um, an agreed termination where there's some communications around how the exit is um, canvassed with the companies um, and the messaging around that to avoid those risks that I was talking about in terms of unfair dismissals, general protections, those types of things. And you mentioned that you covered misconduct-based terminations. Did you get into the area of workplace investigations at all in that context? Yes, we did go through those um, types of issues and we talked about whether you do them internally, externally, um, and then when, when you have a serious misconduct issue, whether you still need to investigate that process as well um, and that conduct issue or whether you can just go straight to termination um, on the basis of that misconduct. And was this group of participants, um, had they had much experience in hands-on investigations? Uh, No. Uh, So most of them had not done any investigation themselves. Um, A lot of them use external investigators to conduct those investigations, obviously just to use a third party, um, assist in terms of how you convey that message around the investigation process as well. So most of them had um, used external parties to do those investigations. And I know that um, a lot of our clients do struggle with the whole uh, performance management issue and um, I know you mentioned the agreed separations. Um, what were some of the, the key messages from you on uh, under that heading? Yeah, so um, we talked about performance management um, again through the whole employment life cycle and making sure at your induction phase and onboarding phase you are really clear around your messaging that performance is going to be discussed throughout the employment relationship so that when you get to a performance management process that it's not coming as a shock to the employee um, and that really helps in terms of the communication process and getting people over the line um, and involved and 
engaged in that performance management process. So we talked about making it an ongoing discussion, which many people, they just do their once a year tick a box performance um, appraisal process. Um, and we also talked about the concept that we talk about a lot with our clients around um, managers performance managing in their head, which everyone seemed to like that concept as well, where you're not, where you're actually just managing in your head and not vocalising it to the employee. And everyone was nodding their head in terms of their managers doing that and then coming to them as HR managers and wanting to terminate. But, but there's actually no formalised process in terms of that performance management. Um, and Erin, you also mentioned uh, that you covered senior executives uh, as, as being their own um, or having their own sort of uh, sets of challenges, particularly when it comes to senior executive termination. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what are some of the, the key points under that heading? Yeah, so for them, we talked about any Corporations Act issues in terms of the payments. So to consider that concept, we didn't go into depth around it because it's quite a complex um, area of law, but I just touched on that. Um, And again, we talked about the messaging for those senior executives because that's something we find that's quite important to those senior executives in terms of how their exit is um, communicated to the business. Um, So that was one thing we touched on. Um, and again, bonuses, LTIs, good lever, bad lever provisions, all those types of things. So um, in summary, if you were um, saying that there were two or three really key takeaways for the participants from your session, what would they be? Um, I think in terms of looking at that termination side of the employment relationship, it's really um, how you communicate with your employees um, coming up to that termination phase and obviously sitting down and working out what the process is going to be before you affect a termination so you can really have a strategy around managing that termination process, I think, um, is one of the key takeaways. And the second one, I think, would be knowing what risks there are in a termination and limiting those risks, again, in terms of communication, documentation, and then thinking about that concept of an agreed separation if that's something that's appropriate. And just one final question, Erin. You've been um, running this program for a couple of years now. Who do you think this program is, uh, is best suited for? Um, I think it suits a range of people. So obviously your entry-level HR managers um, that are just coming into the HR sphere, it really is a good um, introduction for them because, as I said, we go through that whole employment life cycle and we do do a lot of case studies um, to help, um, I think, flesh out those issues that we're talking about. But it's also a great refresher um, for those HR managers who've been in the industry for a period of time and just want a general refresher as well. So I think in our session that we had, we had some HR managers who've been practicing for probably well over 10 years who again took away certain things from that training um, just little points that you get as we talk through each process it's fantastic thanks so much for your time thanks Jodie I'm talking to Casey from Cochlear who has been one of the participants in our legal concepts for HR professionals program Casey tell us a little bit about your role at Cochlear yeah, so my name is Casey Sandoz. I'm the People and Culture Generalist with Cochlear APAC. So I handle a lot of the general HR functions for the Australian office and all of our offices around APAC in a support role. Terrific. And how did you find the program that you've just attended? So Cochlear has partnered with PCS for a long, long time. Um, this popped up in my email a few weeks ago. Uh, and I've been enrolled with the APAC office for about 12 months. Um, so I came over from the US office. So I've been in the US for about six years doing a similar role and really wanted to round out my knowledge in Australian law um, and all the applicable policies, procedures, legislations um, that I need to do my job effectively. 
Fantastic. And what were the main takeaways for you from the program? So I really enjoyed learning the history behind how we get to the legislation today. So for me to be effective in my job, I need to be confident that I am providing appropriate advice and guidance to managers in compliance with applicable legislation. So having that good background and understanding of how the laws came to be and how they now apply in today's workplace uh, was really impactful and beneficial for me. That's great. Casey, thanks for participating in the program. Thank you.